Hey there, folks. This is Captain Christopher German coming to you for the podcast, which is going to be represented by the uh, Current Affairs Times. And we're covering all the news across the globe that is in fact print, so to speak. And one of these stories that we're doing is an ongoing investigation into the grazing cattle. Um, now, this is a multi-state issue. Um, I've been covering this aspect from Utah. Uh, our guest today has been covering it from a number of different perspectives, and he is currently located in Arizona. Uh, and let me introduce you to, to Chris Bugby, who is a conservation advocate uh, located in Arizona. And Chris, tell me all about how you got into this idea of let's get these cows from trashing our planet. <laughs> well, you know, it's a huge, it's a huge issue here in the Western states. Um, growing beef cattle is the top commercial use of our public lands. So this is a private for-profit industry that is uh, seriously and whole scale just degrading public lands in the West. Well, and that's exactly how I, I went upon this. I was out walking around. Um, I, I live here in Bullfrog, Utah, and mm -hmm. I was walking around the deserts around here. And quite frankly, we hit cows all the time on this road out here. And you look at the, the fence lines and they're all, I mean, completely shot down with, 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 with refuse from the cows and the cows have just torn it up. I've seen stream beds that have been absolutely torn apart. And then most recently I showed you a video. I think you just took a look at it uh, up in the Henry mountains at um, Stanton pass. I put that video out last week and uh there's just this this half mile swath that goes for 10 miles through this this pristine wilderness of these beautiful mountains here that is just absolutely a as a, 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 an absolute travesty it's disgusting there's right. cow crap yeah. everywhere it's it smells it's it's just there's nothing growing there it is absolutely devoid of life and so that's that's kind of what you you hopped on a bunch of issues you, you filed some lawsuits have you not yeah yeah and that the same scene that you're describing is is the motivation to start filing the, uh these suits and it's it's literally everywhere we go um, my jurisdiction is primarily arizona but i also get into new mexico but you know we filed suits on um you know coronado national forest uh, uh two different national conservation areas um, Agua Fria National Monument is another one. Really nowhere is safe from this kind of land degradation that you've witnessed there in Utah as well. Well, and that's the ir irony, and I think that's really why I want to get into this, is because the BLM uh, around here and a lot of these places is responsible for maintaining these public spaces. And it mm -hmm. is in their stated mission statement that their job is to protect these lands as well as provide for the public recreation. And quite frankly, I don't think they're protecting them. And quite frankly, the public recreation of these lands is definitely impeded by the fact that these cows are just absolutely trashing everything. Um, absolutely. So, so tell me a little bit about you know what you what you, how how you how are you attacking this problem? Where did you how did you start with this? What was your first experiences, and how did you get into this kind of work? Well, I, you know, I moved out to Arizona back in two thousand eight and just fell in love with it. I've been. I've been here ever since, and it's an area that, for all its natural beauty, it, it needs a lot of work. Um, it's been abused for decades, even I can I'm comfortable saying centuries. Um, it's a you know the desert ecosystems are very fragile, and and here we are moving into this thousand year mega drought, and there's no response, there's no management response to to adapt to that we're still flooding our public lands with cattle and and we're seeing it we're seeing extreme impacts from that and what you're going to find is the blm and the u.s forest service too they are prioritizing cattle 
over anything else. And that's the, that's the reality that, that I'm seeing, that I've noticed since working uh, for the center. Cows are number one. They get first shot at the land and whatever's left, hey, save that you know, for the wildlife, for clean water. Why, why do you think that is? Why, is the, why are they prioritizing cows over wildlife, you think? I think it's just a longstanding, uh, you know, it, it's always been kind of the cowboy influence here in the West. Um, it's just how it's always been, unfortunately. And really, we're at a, we're at a crossroads now with this drought. Uh, we need to start making some changes and start managing our land differently so that we can survive and some of these imperiled animals can survive moving forward because there's no indication this drought is gonna is gonna end anytime soon this is the this is the future that we're facing um and things are looking pretty grim out there well i, I was reading online a, a study that was done in australia and they were talking about um how cows when they get let out into wetlands uh which is to say high rainfall areas they do a lot of plotting and they 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 really pot, pockmark the land and they really trash things we don't have that problem out west here we have the opposite of that which is we have incredibly dry conditions how is a cow marching across a dry desert i think i know the answer to this so sorry to to just feed you with this thing but how what does it what does a cow do to a to a desert environment what do you think it does well you know i look at cows as a non-native uh riparian animal when I say riparian, these are riparian zones are the lush green ribbons of uh, that follow the waterways throughout the desert. These thin ribbons of lush, lush vegetation, and these are the places that cows congregate. It, this cows inherently seek <clears throat> these wet, cool, shady environments. So you know they'll spend up to thirty times longer in a in a wetland than they will in the in the uplands nearby. That's just their preference. So they're unlike bison in that capacity. Um, th in southeastern Arizona, where I work, you know, this is an environment that did not evolve with large grazers. So here's a non-native animal uh, creating tremendous amounts of disturbance and impact. It's an animal that just doesn't fit in this ecosystem. They've been here for decades, even, even centuries. Um, constant degradation that's what they're doing well talk to me about the the effect i i, I did an interview with the um utah dairy or what you utah cattlemen's association vice president mm -hmm. executive vice president and he was yeah. saying that having cows in these areas can have a beneficial effect and he is wild wildlife biologist that can tell you that it, it prevents animals from predating on other animals and you know it, it what uh I had a tough time believing that and he couldn't exactly stipulate why he believes such a thing, but what does this do to the wildlife of certain areas that are, where the cows are heading out? Well, I focus primarily on uh, species that already have endangered species act protection. So these are officially listed as endangered and threatened species. Um, one of them is the yellow billed cuckoo. And this is a, this is an animal that's disappeared from, you know, over 80% of its former range because of loss of riparian habitat and cattle are a big part of that. So they're coming into these desert streams there. First of all, they're trampling and increasing the sediment loads. They're urinating, they're defecating in the water, which is reducing the water quality. They're denuding all the vegetation outright, leaving everything um, uncovered, leaving nothing left for native wildlife. 
you know, right down to insects and small mammals. Um, <clears throat> having cattle in the stream is basically, you're gonna end up with a, a wider, more shallow stream that is exposed to the sunlight. <clears throat> that in itself is, is removing uh, breeding grounds for native fish. And what we're seeing is on top of the drought, these cattle effects are just exacerbating everything. Creeks are drying up. Um, big uh, trees like cottonwood and willow, they're not, they're not um, replenishing themselves because the cows are eating all the seedlings and saplings. So what we see is a bunch of old trees and no recruitment coming up, no future forest. And all these things together is, is just killing our riparian areas. And we've already lost over 90% of what we once had here in the Southwest is already gone from human activity. Um, and really keeping the cattle out there on, this, on the land is, is the nail in the coffin. Well, why, if this, why is this not a bigger issue? Why are more people not aware of this? Why are so many people saying, oh, I love my steak when they, when they also say at the same time, I wanna protect our, our, our wildland. Why, can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, the, the most frustrating thing to me is that less than 2% of all the, the US beef supply comes from these Western landscapes. And so it, if we got rid of all public land grazing in the West, it wouldn't even change the price of beef in the country. So when I hear people say, oh, but you gotta feed the people, you know, people have to eat. It's not, they don't need this food source. They just don't need it. And the, the price tag that comes along with its production is, it doesn't justify the industry. Really? Well, I, I, one of the conversations that I had with the, with the, um, with the Utah uh, cattleman guy was that um, he says that Utah in our particular way is kind of like the nursery of cattle braiding around the country because it doesn't sustain the cattle uh, for feed purposes to get them ready for market. So what they do is they park them here, they pop out those babies, they stay there all winter long. And when just as the spring, spring uh, floods are coming through here and the start, the greenery starts to pop up, everything starts eating all that stuff. So it kills it for the entire season. And right. then once they finally are weaned from their mothers and it's all said and done sometime around June, they pile them into trucks and they drive them off across the country to someplace else to fatten them up for market. This just yeah. seems like the most environmentally and ecologically insensitive possible thing that you could possibly do and makes me want to eat chicken nuggets for the rest of my life. Correct. Yeah, I know. I've, <laughs> I've quit eating beef completely. <laughs> well, I, I actually, I had, I had beef tacos last night, so I can't say I, I want to swear off beef. Completely. And I think that's an important point to make is that this is not an indictment on the beef industry. This is not an indictment on cattle in general, but this is rather, I think the misuse of the land and the abuse of the land by certain bad actors. Correct. Ultimately it's the, federal agencies that are signing off on this. And that's, that's who we bring our lawsuits to. You know, we're not targeting individual ranchers. We're, we're targeting the agencies that are allowing this to happen. Well, and, and specifically like the BLM around here and the US, and the US Forest Service around and other places and whatnot. Um, how, does, how does that mechanism work? How do they, how do they permit it? How do they, are, are you, are, could you brief us a little bit on how these public agencies are really culpable in this pattern? Well, yeah, they're authorizing. They're authorizing the activity. Um, they set the number for how many cow-calf pairs can be out there, and they make all the rules on where they can graze. Um, you know, everything like that. 
what we use is, you know, we engage in the NEPA process, um, but really that, from my experience, that doesn't get us anywhere. Really, our only avenue is, is through litigation. Uh-huh. That's the and, only way we can get through and make our voices heard. Well, we and, had a we had a fun fun conversation about your uh, how the public is viewing you in some cases, and you kind of thought I was going to make you the villain of this whole thing, and I'm not trying to do that. But but have you had a lot of pushback? Have you had a lot of people saying you know you're just wrong and we don't like you because of that? Well, perhaps I'm sure. Yeah, um, <laughs> it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't change anything on my end. Um, you know, I fight for conservation, period. That's my priority. Uh-huh. Well, and I think that's that's kind of what um, this this investigation is really showing is that, you know, it is it is not an indictment of the entire beef industry. And it certainly isn't an indictment of beef eaters. But this is a problem with the federal government's mismanagement of programs and the mm -hmm. fact that, you know, the, the federal government is the one that is largely saying, yeah, go ahead, take rape this culture, rape this country as much as you want, take as much as you want out of it, all in the name of private interest. Correct. Well, sir, um, I don't want to take too much of your time up, but uh, before we completely sign off here, um, can you tell me what the future might look like? What, what do you, what do you, how's your litigation going? What's, what's happening with, with all the, the different fights that you're fighting? Are you making progress on this? Is this something we're going to actually win someday, you think? You know, I sure hope so. Um, this battle has been going on for a long time. There, there used to be a cattle free by 1993 uh, program. So, that, you know, it's been decades that people have been working to make some kind of meaningful change to the way our Western public lands are managed. I really don't see, especially in the context of this mega drought, I don't see that public lands ranching is the future use of public land. Ultimately, we're gonna have to use our national forests to conserve wildlife and water. That's just the reality of it now. You know, we're experiencing so almost every year, it seems we're breaking heat and, and drought records here in the Southwest. I mean, it, this isn't something that's coming. We've already stepped through that threshold. And so it's time to make some change. Well, and that's what I, I, I'm hoping by this investigation, I can open some eyes to this and I can get some people to understand that, you know, this is not about indictments of anybody, but this is just about making the right public decisions for the, for the public good. Um, and I can't cost benefit analysis, really. Well, yeah. it truly is that, isn't it? <laughs> well, thank you so much for being with me today. Um, I'm Captain Christopher German. This is the Current Affairs of Times. And Chris Bugby, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for being here. And if you would like to find out more about this information, we've published several articles about this, and we're going to be continuing to investigate this until somebody at BLM decides to sit down and answer some questions. So thanks for watching today, and we'll be back with you next week and hopefully have some more answers for you. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye.